The Miami Hurricanes spring game is almost here. What can these 2022 Canes learn from the spirit of the 1990s Canes? We're going to find out from somebody who knows. I am Alex Dono, your host of Locked on Canes, Miami native, University of Miami alumnus, longtime pre- and post-game host on the Miami Radio Network. Thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I have the privilege of talking to you. You guys know I'm obsessed with offensive line play, and I find offensive linemen are usually the best storytellers. So we are joined by a man who was a starting center at the University of Miami in the early 90s, the legendary K.C. Jones. K.C., thank you so much for taking some time. How you been? I'm doing great, Alex. I'm doing really good. And here's a story for you. The smartest and best looking guy in the field is the center. Always and forever. That's how I'm going to lead off. <laughs> there, there are a couple of former centers at Miami who are really good talkers of story and good looking guys as well. Like KC, Brett Romberg, who everybody knows down here. Don Bailey. Another one. Don Bailey. That's right. That's Don right. Bailey. Don Bailey. Right. Jim Otto. You gotta have Jim Otto on the show, man. He's the he's the goat. He's the OG, man. When everybody everybody talks about comparing, uh, I love all these lists that come out. Like they compare, like who was the best in the era, who was the best all time, and dude, Jim Otto. He's he's starting for me, man. He's starting on my team all the way, all the, pro, the all time team. Oh yeah, yeah he's, he's the man. He's the man. I I'd gladly be his backup for sure. Dude, that's fantastic. Yeah. And listen, it feels like. There, there's a love fest going on with former players because I feel like former players are they're they're welcome again in the program, whether it be guys watching practice or guys actually out there coaching. I mean, even a guy like Jason Taylor who didn't play at the U, yeah. He, yeah. he's he's got a role now on the staff. And of course, the head coach Mario Cristobal, you know, is a guy who's got a rich history, played at Miami and coached at Miami as an assistant years ago. Yep. So I mean, Casey. There's always a fan debate on this stuff. And I'd love your perspective, having put the colors on and put the helmet on. Yeah. How important do you think it is to have a guy like Mario, who's a great recruiter and a great coach in his own right, but does it make it extra important? Because Miami's a different kind of place yeah, and a different kind sure. of program. Is it extra important to have somebody like Cristobal who understands that culture? For sure. For sure. And uh, just to give you a little background of, of, of my relationship with Mario Cristobal. I came in as a freshman in 1992. He was a senior. He was a captain of that team with Gino Toretta and Lamar Thomas, Michael Barrow, Jesse Armstead, Darren oh, Smith, right? Those guys, it was, that's, a, that's a team, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, couldn't finish it out in the Sugar Bowl, but that was one of the all-time squads, man. Uh, but Mario was a captain of that team, and he was the, he was the dude, right? When I got into the, the locker room, when you get into the O-line room, you can identify who the leader is. Uh, who's the guy that's going to keep everybody in line? Who's going to account for uh, everybody's uh, behavior on and off the field? And that was Mario. And uh, Mario had uh, uh, a stellar career at the University of Miami. His brother preceded him. Lou Cristobal preceded him at the University of Miami. They actually played beside each other. I think that was uh, probably 1989, 90, uh, th those teams. But uh, Mario is a guy that is born for the University of Miami as a player, as a coach, as a leader. Uh, he is uh, someone who is born for that position. 
And I know everybody has, has dreamed about this moment. Everybody had hopes, high hopes. Uh, I actually went out and saw Mario a few years ago. Uh, we started going out. I started meeting Shirko Hajiwazuli and uh, Freddie Capshaw, who live in Portland. And we would get together. We'd go down to a Ducks game every year. So like the last three or four years, we were going down there. And uh, on the third trip down there, we got in to see him. And, you know, by this time, Mario, is, he's he's – He's solid. You know, I think the first year he's iffy as a head coach, and now he's won a Pac-10 title, and he's installed the culture there at Oregon. And Phil Knight is pouring money into that program with the facilities, with the recruiting, with the jerseys, right? They're, they're a hot team, and he's a guy that can recruit the entire country from Eugene, Oregon, right? And so we got into his office, and the first question that we had was, when are you coming back? You know, when are you, when are you coming back? Like, this, is all, this is all great, man, but when are you coming back? And he kind of like, he smiled, you know. You know, you knew at that moment that he, you know, he wants, he wanted to. But I don't yeah. think anybody thought three years ago that this opportunity would develop for Mario Cristobal, right? This is all these prayers and all these dreams and all these hopes have been answered with Mario coming here. And I think, you know, I think it was Mario's dream always to come back to the University of Miami Nobody knew how it was gonna um, how it was gonna happen, uh, but it it happened, and it happened in a big way. It happened in the right way, and I think Mario is was very particular about where he was gonna go from Oregon. You know, he wasn't gonna he was gonna set himself up for success, and I think you know first and foremost he needed to know that they were committed. The athletic department, the school, the university, the institution, the community was committed to a winning program at the University of Miami. And that is that shows up in money, right? Mm -hmm. That shows up with Phil Knight at, at Oregon. You know, every you look out in the uh in the college the football the landscape of college football now, there's huge benefactors at all of these major colleges. You know, you might not hear about them, but they're behind they work behind the scenes. This is the new kind of millionaire billionaire uh project, right? Like the Denver Broncos will be sold this offseason for four or five billion dollars. Well, they might maybe priced out a lot of people, but you can actually go into uh, a university, you go on campus and you can buy yourself a, a college franchise, right? Yeah. You can make a huge impact by funding a college team like the University of Miami. And I think that's what happened in the last six months with, with Mario coming back here. He knew that he was gonna have the funding. He was gonna, have, he was gonna be able to build a staff, pay those guys, right? Because I think that's been a challenge with the University of Miami in the past. It doesn't matter how great a head coach you got. If you don't have the commitment from the athletic department to pay those assistants, they're not going to hang around. Who's going to hang around? Right? Mark Rick couldn't, couldn't hang on to uh, – he couldn't hang on to talented uh, coordinators and, and uh, staff. And Manny Diaz suffered with the same thing. Yep. Anybody with talent that was, that was worth their weight, right, worth their salt, was, was getting recruited to other universities that were – they're just paying them a little bit more and they're leaving. You're talking about UCF and USF, right? Al, you know, Alabama comes to call, right? You got to have a, you got to have a commitment on the level with everybody else and kind of put you on a level playing field. And I think that's what Mario knew he wanted, right? He wanted that. He had to have that if he was going to make that move. And he, uh, it, it finally kind of materialized. And that's what you have right now. You have Mario Cristobal at the helm, a guy who was born, to coach the University of Miami. And I couldn't be happier. I think the alumni all echo that sentiment 
because you have someone, you have one of your own, a guy who knows the DNA of what makes that play successful. Mario won, I think, two or three rings, played for four, right, at the University of Miami. No one knows that pro program better than him. I mean, I think when he got into coaching, he knew what he wanted to do. I mean, it was a goal and a dream of his to come back to the, to the University of Miami. Uh, but I think he, did, he didn't do it uh, like on a whim. He didn't take the first offer. He, made, he wanted to make sure that it was a place that was set up for success for him, his staff, and he was going to get a chance to win championships back at the University of Miami. I think you hit the nail on the head. The situation had to be right. And I, I don't think they were ready for that. Miami wasn't three years ago, four years ago. They were finally ready for that. And so, okay, that raises the question here, KC, because, um, you know, I, I grew up watching teams winning national championships. Yeah. I got very spoiled watching Miami 80, early 90s, early 2000s. Uh, but I'm a realist. And I know for the last, you know, almost 20 years, you know, Miami hasn't been at that level. Certain years, they've been very far from that level. But yeah. everything you hit on there is so important. Having yeah. Cristobal, having the staff, having the investment, having the alignment. So yeah. can Miami play with the big boys? Yeah. Do you think Miami can put themselves back in the elite? Yes, I think I think now you have a uh, you have a you have a shot because you have the commitment from the athletic department, right? You have a, a, a you know aside from Mario's history with the University of Miami, Mario Cristobal is one of the top five six head coaches in in college football, right? And he's a young go getter. No one's going to outwork Mario Cristobal, right? What did he do right after his press conference? He went to he went down the street and started recruiting in his suit, right? Like, he just like that's Mario, right? And Mario's like Mario says he's out of the, out the door at four fifteen, right? And sometimes he doesn't get back until after midnight. That's Mario. No one's going to outwork Mario, right? So you have that going for you. I think this NIL deal with with players, I love it. I think they're going to have to they're going to have to cap it at some point. The thing about this, there's a salary cap in every major league sports except for the major league baseball, right? So yeah. NFL has a salary cap, NBA has a salary cap, or you have a luxury tax. There's no salary cap in college football. So you can pay these guys as much as you want. So right? Some of these guys would be making more money in college than at the pros because right. not all these guys can get to the NFL. Right, right. So you have a cosmopolitan, beautiful metropolis, right? Tropical metropolis in, in, in Miami. I mean, Miami is the baddest city in America. Right. I mean, dude, listen, it was hard for me to leave. I just knew <laughs> I was going to live longer in Denver, Colorado. Right. That's why, that's why, that's why I left. Right. It's but great. you have that's, I mean, that's a huge advantage. The money that pours in there, the, uh, the visibility of, of Miami, it's a sexy, hot place. And I think you're going to have the combination of Mario Cristobal, his staff, his attitude, the culture that he installs at the University of Miami, which is from the DNA of champions at the University of Miami, right? He knows that. And then you pair that with this NIL, the visibility of Miami, the money surrounding the program right now. And then you have this, the hotbed, the hottest hotbed of all, all college recruiting in your backyard. It's pretty compelling, right? It's co pretty compelling. So they're gonna have a chance at, you know, pretty much every guy, you're gonna be able to recruit across the nation. They're gonna be able to recruit South Florida. You're going to have a shot at every guy you want, but then you're going to be able to choose who's a Miami guy, who's not a Miami guy, who's going to fit in your program. And then you start, you get to start building teams. You get to start to build a program that is going to compete for coastal championships, finally, for ACC <laughs> championships, right? And get a berth. And I think that's the goal. The ultimate goal yeah. is to get a berth 
in that college football playoff because playoff football, man, anything can happen. If you get into that, if you get in that position, you know, you're, you're a worthy team. You have a shot at the national championship. And I think that's the ultimate goal for the University of Miami. It's not going to happen overnight, right? I think, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a process with any, with any first-time head coach. But I think Mario knows, and I think that that whole athletic department knows what the expectation is. And Mario's going to work every day from now until it happens to make sure that comes true. We're going to continue the conversation with KC Jones, get a couple more stories and just an idea on how Miami can kind of take their success back in a time machine to better times, the glory days like KC was a part of. But guys, you want to talk about the glory days. I'm getting back to those. I'm having my own personal health and fitness renaissance. Built Bar has been a huge part of that, guys, because when you're talking about dropping weight, trying to get back to my playing weight, it's hard to do that when you have a sweet tooth. When you're addicted to chocolate and candy bars the way that I have been for most of my life, Built Bar provides the perfect solution. Built Bar, it's a treat, but it doesn't have the nutrition that those candy bars have or the lack thereof. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. The cinnamony churro is awesome. The coconut marshmallow. The banana cream pie is my personal favorite. So good. They're going to become your new favorite. And guys, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And here's the kicker. This is how I can eat Built Bars, have great energy, and still drop weight and get in great shape. They're low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar, anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You will be blown away. They're high-protein, low-cal, high-fiber, low-carb. Most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar only, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. You can get Built Bar flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, New for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor is going to taste good, they're going to make it, and it's going to be delicious and good for you. Because at Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then they figure out how to way to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15. For 15% off at built.com. We are here with former University of Miami offensive lineman KC Jones. And by the way, I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Canes your first Miami Hurricanes listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So, KC, I got to pick your brain on this from a coaching standpoint because. Last couple of years, Miami's offensive line has been one of the weak points of the team, okay? And you can only make that personnel-wise so much better one year to the next. They brought in some bodies, transfer portal players, they're recruiting. Uh, but I'm just wondering, when you've brought in a coach like Alex Mirabal and you've brought in a head coach like Mario Cristobal, who's doing plenty of hands-on work with the O-line because that's his passion, how much better, just from 2021 to 2022, how much better can that O-line get through coaching alone? I think they'll make a, a huge step 
Uh, I think they're going to, you know, I, I would, I was down uh, for the beating of spring ball and I saw Alex Mirabal. I know I've known Alex for years uh, is probably as long as I've known Mario and uh, they're getting a different, uh, they're getting a different style of coach with Alex Mirabal. Alex Mirabal is probably, I mean, if he's, if he's five foot, right. He's like, he's, he's, he's not a, he's not a big guy, but he's not afraid to put his hands on guys. He's not afraid to get on pe in people's faces. He demands, uh, a, a, a tempo and a, uh, a and a commitment from those guys that I don't think they've had. Uh, you know, I, I I remember talking to a friend, Rich Mercier, and you know, talking about you know what's going to happen with Mario, how he's going to get this back together. And you know, we remembered practices in the Butch Davis era and even in the, in the Dennis Erickson era where they were highly competitive, and the O line would step up to the defensive line. You're talking about a defensive line that had. Uh, you know, Warren Sapp, Kenny Holmes, Kennard Lang, those types of guys, Mark Caesar, Kevin Patrick, Darren Krein, right? Totally outmatched athletically, but the competitive nature of practice and how they put us in positions to compete against each other elevated all of our play. And I think Alex knows that. I think Alex is inheriting a, a, a good offensive line, not a great offensive line with good athletes, not great athletes. But I think you're going to see an attitude change. You're going to see the, the switch flip. Uh, hopefully early on in the season where these guys are going to take, take the game into their own hands, right? From the offensive line standpoint, uh, you can take over a game uh, by basically just beating up the front seven, right? Being physical, having an attitude, finishing plays. And I think all those things are the things that Alex Mirabal coaches. And I think from a technique standpoint, he's not just a yeller. He's not just a guy that's going to grab guys and shake them around and intimidate people. <laughs> He's a guy that's focused on techniques. He's going to demand your, your attention, but he's a technician at heart, right? He's a teacher at heart, and he's going to teach these guys the techniques that's going to help them get successful, right? How do you defeat a superior athlete across from you on the defensive line? It's technique, right? right? Having your hips lower, having leverage, having your hands inside, keeping your head out, and also knowing the plays and situations on the field having situational awareness, you know, knowing what, when the, what the down and distance is. So I think what Alex Mirabal will do, he'll get their attention. He'll demand a higher level of performance from all of them, a different attitude. Uh, he's going to teach them different techniques. He's going to refine their techniques. And then I think uh, what you're going to see is, is a better cohesive offensive line because through all those things, when you're getting better and the game slows down, and it gets easier, you're more aware of the entire field, right? I played center the, at University of Miami. Well, let's go back to high school. My high school world was the front seven, right? Mm -hmm. And then in college, it went from, well, you know what? In, in high school, I was running the wishbone. So it was like the front three. It was two defensive tackles in the, <laughs> in the middle line, but that's all I was aware of, right? Wow. Four-point stance, and I was blasting off, and I was just, you know, just wrecking stuff. I, wasn't, I didn't have any awareness. I got to Miami and I saw the front seven. I knew how to pick, pick blitzes off. I knew how to call defenses. I knew how to direct an offensive line, right? When I got to the NFL, and I think this is what the stage is now in college football, I got to see the whole field, right? I got to see cornerbacks sneaking over. I got to see safeties roll over in coverage. I knew when a blitz was going to occur. I knew tendencies and techniques by defensive linemen, how they lined up, how they were going to stunt. So the game slows down when you know what's going to happen. And I think from a situational awareness perspective that Alex will teach these guys, these guys will get better and better and better. And I think you pair that with a 
a quarterback who is going to be a star, who's already a star, right? And then the weapons that naturally come at the University of Miami with the speed that you recruit from South Florida, uh, I think that that turns out to be a pretty high-powered offense. But it has yeah. to happen up front, right? It has to happen up front. And I think that's what they're, they're really drilling these guys hard in spring ball to get these guys to play as a unit, to understand what's going to be expected of them, what the new techniques are, and then to expand their awareness on the field for situations. So it's uh, it's a tough job, man. It's a, it's a tough job, but Alex is up to it. And he's another guy who's just as committed as Mario. He's been in Mario's side since, uh, since he got to Oregon. And uh, they're a great match. They kind of have – they share a brain. You yeah. Know? I think they share a heart, too, a heartbeat and a pulse. And I think that that level of commitment uh, can only make that group better. And I think everybody has a high expectation for that group going into the season. Now, taking on a little bit of a history lesson here from your time at Miami, because you you played under uh, two different head coaches yep. that are, are both remembered very fondly by Miami fans. Now, yep. Dennis Erickson was the only two-time national championship winner at the U. Yeah. Uh, you were there also for the transition to Butch Davis. Now, looking back, historically, Canes fans love Butch because he was yeah. the architect of what became the greatest college football team of all time. But sure. KC, as, as you know better than anyone, that transition was rough. And, and yeah. the first the first couple of years of Butch were not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun. And where we're coming from was, you know, we're coming from the Dennis Erickson, uh, you know, freewheeling. We ran a spread offense, right? It basically a spread offense without the RPO, right? That's basically right. what we ran. We stretched the field. We use speed, uh, and then we use we ran a one back offense where we can get guys out of the box and run against. You know, we put five on five on four, five on five, and be able to to run the ball effectively. But uh, more than that, the you know the X's and O's changed, but the expectation and the you know Dennis Erickson was a player's coach, right? His door was always open. You know, you could always kind of joke around with Dennis Erickson. You know, when it was time to play, it was time to play. But Dennis Erickson, he would, he would build uh, the, the start of practice or the start of the week to kind of ramp up to the game, right? Where you had to be, you know, he's going to ramp you up. We're going to get into this. We're going to compete at practice, right? But we're not going to go overboard. We're going to build up that. We're going we're to be ready to eat on Saturday, right? We're gonna, we're, he was going to have these guys. We were, we were ready to go, right? But with Bush Davis, when Bush Davis came in, you had to be ready every day. You had to be ready on Monday. You had to be ready on Tuesday. Some of those practices, those nine on sevens, the inside runs and the blitz drills, and, the, you know, they were bloodbaths. You know, they were some of the hardest episodes of football in my life because he demanded so much, and it was just like – it was the Jimmy Johnson style, man. He had to beat the hell out of us, kind of break us to get on to the next level. He had to get all that Dennis Erickson out of us. Uh, to install <laughs> his culture, which I don't blame him for what he did. It, yeah. I got kind of caught up in the in the mix of it, and uh, you know, I I kind of res- I I honestly I've had enough time to reflect on it. I resented Butch Davis for that. I really did not like him. I didn't like the way he ran practice. I didn't like the way he treated me. I don't like I didn't like the way he kind of treated guys different, and uh, and I, I didn't like the fact that we didn't really have a say or a voice on that team. It was always Butch's way or the highway. And, uh, you know, to the point where that, you know, there was a, you know, when I left, I didn't go to the combine. I was upset about that. I didn't get drafted. I kind of was upset about that. But this right held on to this resentment mm-hmm. uh, for Butch Davis for, for years. 
to the point where there was like times where I was in Miami, I was hoping that well, I'd catch Butch Davis walking out of a bar and I'd break his jaw. <laughs> wow. You know? Man, it, it was like, wow. it was that, it was that bad. Wow. Um, because it was just, it was not the kind of football that I was accustomed to. And I didn't kind of really see the big picture. You know, he had a part in making me a better player, a tougher player, a more effective player. And I got to, you know, that, that kind of got me to the next level in the NFL playing five years of the NFL. You know, winning two Super Bowls, having the, having the career of my dreams, right, in my hometown. So, mm. you know, at, uh, 15 years after that, I went over to FIU uh, and when Butch Davis was the head coach, this is a few years ago, and I, I, I walked up to him. And I said, hey, Butch, I, uh, you know, I know we didn't see eye to eye, but I understand now. I know you love me. It was, it was hard. But uh, I, I said, I, I love you. I know you're doing the, the best you could, right, at the time. And you know, mind you, Butch Davis was that first-time head coach. Yeah, so I, right. I buried the hatchet and I got rid of that resentment. I kind of, I, I took that stone off my shoulders that I've been carrying around like a, a grudge. I've wow. been carrying around for for 15, 20 years. You know, after after the fact, and I knew he, I know in his heart he was, he felt like he was doing the right thing, but a first-time head coach uh, makes mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Makes mistakes, and he's kind of like experimenting with his first teams, and that's what he was doing. That's what he was doing with us. I think we all felt that, you know, in certain situations, we weren't put in a position to win on and off the field. And I think that 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 really kind of shook us and shook our kind of faith in Butch Davis. But Butch Davis uh, turned out to be one of the better head coaches at the University of Miami. From that experiment in his first couple of years, he started building a program, building a culture, getting guys recruiting creatively, getting guys on track scholarships, and ended up building one of the best football teams in college football history. The one they won, you know, the, the, the championship in 01. So, uh, you know, with all with all that, you know, I think you know it's a different situation with Mario, right? Yeah. Mario's not a first time head coach, man. You know, he knows exactly. He's had a vision for the University of Miami for the last 20 years, right? 30 years from when he was from when he was a GA at Miami, working in the weight room, and a GA offensive lineman, then going to Rutgers, coming back and coaching at FIU getting fired at FIU, yep. going back to Miami, then going to Alabama, then getting pulled out of Alabama to be a be the offensive line coach in Oregon with, with Willie Taggart, and then eventually becoming the off the, the head coach at the University of Oregon. He's a, he's refined this vision. So there's no more experimentation. He knows exactly what he's doing the first day of spring practice when when the first uh, ball is snapped, right? He knows what he's going to do. He knows what he's going to eat on game day the first week of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Mario knows. Right? But the reason I say that is that these guys are in for a different experience. Uh, and I think that, you know, the, he's going to push these guys to limits these guys have never thought they, they, could, they could get to. You know, he's going to push them physically, mentally. And I think, you know, when these guys understand, it took me 20, 30 years to understand that uh, they do it out of love. And I know that, mm. you know, Butch Davis loved me genuinely, loved me. He cared for all of his players. And I know for a fact that Mario – you know, the only reason he's been, well, one of the reasons he's been able to rise to the level he has is because kids are smart now. He is genuine and he is honest and he is real with everything he does. And I think that, that kids nowadays, I think I feel like an old man saying that kids nowadays, <laughs> they're smart and savvy and they know they can get through the BS, man. They can, they have a, a real high, uh, that their, their radar for BS is really high now. And I think for you to be able to go out and recruit and sit in someone's like uh, a living room now, you have to be that. You have to be genuine. You have to be honest, even about all the bad stuff. 
Yeah. And I think you have to be that to be successful and for him to be successful at the University of Miami. And I think that's one of the reasons he'll, he will be successful there. You know, these kids, you know, going back to the story when I was talking about uh, Rich Mercier, we both agreed that these practices that these guys are going to be going through are going to be the hardest practices that they have ever been in in their lives, ever. And, probably, and maybe the most physical and, and demanding practices that they ever will be in for their yeah. entire careers. So, you know, the, the reason, you know, I, I think, you know, with that, these guys, uh, you know, the guys that, that are committed, they're going to see those gains. They're going to see, they're going to be a part of something special at the University of Miami. A big, big turnaround from what, they, what they've experienced last year, an unfortunate season for sure. Uh, and then, you know, to be able to turn around and be competitive and have, uh, you know, have that attitude again and play with Miami DNA style of football, I think that's a huge turnaround. And I think all those kids should be commended for, for hanging in there and committing to the program and being a part of this renaissance of the University of Miami. That's beautiful. It's great catching up with you. Casey Jones, former Miami Hurricanes, Denver Broncos center, Casey, we're not going to be strangers, my friend. If, if you see me calling you off the hook at, at various <laughs> points, fall camp, regular season, I won't be a stranger, my friend. Call me anytime, brother. Love you. Go Canes. You too, man. Love you too at Go Canes. Thanks for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. Now for a big announcement, starting Thursday, April 28th, tune in to Locked On NFL's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team is going to take, catch Odyssey and Locked On NFL's Mock Draft Special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show all week leading up to the first pick. So this is going on, my friends. Locked On NFL Draft live on the YouTube page, Odyssey NFL Mock Draft on the NFL Draft podcast feeds. It's happening April 28th, 7 p.m. before the first round, April 29th at 6.30 p.m. before the second and third rounds, and then day three, 11.30 a.m., and the Odyssey Mock Draft is April 28th through the 22nd and on the 25th. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. We're a week into that one. I'm big into the betting space, guys, and it's important to get all the best possible information. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering info from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. I am on betonline.com constantly looking at the trends. Where are the sharps headed? Head out to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Miami Hurricanes spring game is Saturday. That's tomorrow if you're listening to this the day we publish it. Uh, Saturday, April 16th at Drive Pink Stadium. For those who are able to go out there in person, you were able to snag one of those 18,000 tickets. They are completely sold out, by the way. So consider yourself lucky to have snagged one of those. For those who can't make it, you can watch it on ACC Network. And guys, keep in mind, now, if you're listening to this, hopefully you subscribe to this podcast already. And if you subscribe, you're going to see it. We will be doing a bonus episode on Saturday, publishing it shortly after the spring game. We'll talk about everything we see and hear. 
and we'll talk about who stands out and maybe who didn't stand out so much. But it's exciting. I mean, first spring game for Mario Cristobal and his staff. And let's talk about the players who might stand out in this one. Uh, I was reading a very good piece by David Lake at InsideTheU.com. Three players he is telling Hurricanes fans to watch out for. Five, I should say. I don't want to shortchange him. Five potential breakout players to know for Miami spring game. He brings up running back Henry Parrish. We've been talking about Henry a lot. Um, and when we had Brian Monroe on a couple of weeks ago, former Miami Hurricanes player who's been to some spring practices, he said, don't be surprised if Henry Parrish, the transfer from Ole Miss, ends up being the starter. Now, it's going to be a rotation, but don't be surprised if Henry Parrish ends up being the guy who starts games and maybe gets the most reps. Uh, this is a well-rounded back, and he has an advantage coming in of having played with running backs coach Kevin Smith, having played for him, because uh, that was his running backs coach at Ole Miss. So he's got a little bit of an advantage here right out the gates, knowing exactly what Kevin Smith is looking for from his running backs. Uh, Lake also brings up Jacoby George, the wide receiver. And, man, I it's going to be fun watching Jacoby George and Keyshawn Smith to see which guy outduels the other, because I put them both in a very similar conversation of young Miami Hurricanes receivers who can absolutely break out this year. Uh, this is what Lake says about Jacoby George. Miami needs at least one outside receiver to step up and emerge as a reliable playmaker. George has flashed elite playmaking ability at times this spring, uh, but as a young receiver, his consistency level needs to continue to rise. Many people around the program are buzzing that George has the potential to be one of the better receivers in the ACC once he reaches that consistent level. Will that be 2022? There's definitely a good chance George has a breakout season this year, and having a strong showing in the spring game would be a positive sign. He also brings up wide receiver Frank Ladson, who's had a relatively quiet spring, um, but Frank Ladson can fill an important role. Transfer portal guy from Clemson. He's experienced. He can stretch the field. Good size, good speed. And in the case of Frank Ladson, We've seen Miami have success with transfer receivers before. Charleston Rambo was dynamite last year. Now, it probably would be unfair to compare Frank Ladson directly to Charleston Rambo, but that was a transfer receiver who came in and was Miami's leading receiver. K.J. Osborne, a few years ago, who transferred in from Buffalo, had a really good finish to his career at Miami. Maybe Frank Ladson could be the next guy to do that. Now here, I, I love this. The next guy, tight end Elijah Arroyo. Yeah, and he and Jaleel Skinner as well. Now, Arroyo, a year older, more experienced. Um, that's going to be a big advantage for him. But watch out for Elijah Arroyo and watch out for the true freshman early enrollee Jaleel Skinner at tight end. Arroyo had an awesome scrimmage in the second scrimmage last week. Uh, Jaleel Skinner, according to Mario Cristobal, had a big catch to end the scrimmage. And they're both going to get opportunities to play a little bit more here uh, in the spring game because Will Mallory got an injury early in the spring, and he's missed most of that. So, yeah, I, I can co-sign on that. And, oh, yes, defensive end Jafari Harvey has been the standout defensive player so far in the spring. He has been incredible. And I think this year he's absolutely going to blow up. And as Lake notes, he's put up big sack totals in the first two scrimmages of the spring after only having two and a half sacks last year. So, yeah, he's going to be looking to break out this year as well. 
Um, you know, I would all I would also add a couple onto the list of players I'm really going to be looking for. Defensive tackle Leonard Taylor. It's always tough with the line of scrimmage because in spring football, you know, the contact, it is what it is. They're not trying to kill each other out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be looking at the defensive line. I'm also going to be looking at, you know, we talk about wide receivers a lot. Xavier Restrepo, he has been catching everything in spring. And he is really going to be, I think, a consistent third down guy, shorter yardage option, very good slot receiver, runs good routes. Uh, I think he could be primed to have a breakout year this year and really be a good safety blanket for Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, and he's got a great attitude and good leadership. So I will be watching him as well. And I'm just going to be watching the entire offensive line. And again, trenches in spring football, not full contact. But you're going to be able to see their assignments, the way that they're moving their feet, how organized they look, and they are going to be going up against a very good Miami defensive line here in practice. And the offensive line group, they can probably stand to have the most improvement on the Miami football team, and they have some of the best coaching. Alex Mirabal, he demands a lot from his players, and Mario Cristobal is an offensive line coach at heart, and he spends a lot of hands-on time with that unit. So I'm going to be watching the entire offensive line just to see if they look improved and even competent out there. So, yeah, those are the big things I'm looking forward to. So keep your eyes on Locked on Canes. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, by the way. We will follow you back. Follow our Twitter account, at Locked on Canes. We will be very active, live tweeting the spring game tomorrow. And we will also be doing a special episode of Locked on Canes shortly after the spring game. So make sure you tune in for that. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast feed. We will be adding YouTube very soon. So you're going to be able to see us uh, within the next uh, week or so in addition to listen to us. So thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.